adjust the bass and let the alpine blast pop in my cd and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back cause it's summertime Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledger. Along with me today is the one and only Matt Matera, back on the show in the midst of his vacation to take your questions and give you answers, Bucks fans. But first, Matt, you're out there with what? Saying hi to Marty Bird out in the Ozarks, isn't that where you're? Uh, yeah, I'm over. Uh, I'm over in the Midwest. I'm kind of in Chiefs territory right now. But you know what? The Chiefs are a bunch of losers. The Bucks are Super right. Bowl champs. I've made sure to wear my. The, some of the Bucks gear that I have, I wore a Super Bowl shirt when I was out here. Wow. So the people know, the people know who the Super Bowl, Super Bowl champs are. But yeah, uh, it's pretty awesome over here. I've never been to the Ozarks before. Uh, I was I was literally in the lake like an hour ago. Really? So I had to uh, come out, get ready for for the wow. show. But, I got all uh, cleaned up. Awesome. Got a haircut going on. Yeah, well, I'm going to a wedding next week in uh, in right. in California, so I had You're to make sure the hair is good for that too. A traveling man still taking time out of his vacation to come. Got and to use box. I mean, it's the Peter Report it. podcast. Come on, that's true. Best yeah. box podcast out there. Let's yeah. go. No, I, I agree with you completely. And speaking of uh, the best, uh, we don't drink anything but the best on this show, and that includes our friends over at Celsius. Man, I'm telling you, this tropical. Bi- oh, you got the wildberry. I don't care where I am. I have to have some Celsius. Oh my gosh. I, I love the wild berry, but I haven't had any for a while. That's actually probably number one. Tropical vibe is in my top five though. I don't know if you got a chance to get any tropical vibe before you left Matt, but I mean, this is the sparkling star fruit pineapple edition. And let me tell you, it absolutely smacks. I mean, this stuff is so good and it accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, no sugar, great taste, uh, gives you that great boost without the drop off that you get from other energy drinks it is a game changer, man. Celsius is terrific stuff. Here's what I love. They diversify a little bit too. They've got these fast protein bars, 20 grams of protein in these things. This is the salted car- or this is the uh, white chocolate cookies and cream. This is the salted caramel uh, peanut crunch. I love them both. I just had a salted caramel peanut crunch today. Actually, that was my lunch. Um, it's nice. it. They are really, really good stuff. I mean, you're talking about only two grams of sugar in these things to 20 grams of protein. One of the things I've learned recently is my wife has tried to kind of really, she's trying to reinvent her diet to find like better ways for her, you know, stomach and everything like that to eat. And one of the things that's been emphasized is eat more protein, but then you also don't want to increase sugar. And sometimes it can be hard to find those independent of each other. These bars are a great option uh, to be able to do that. Fast brands living an active lifestyle at the core of who they are and their goal is to support a better you every day. So make sure you check those out. Check those bars out. There's a link in the podcast description uh, that you can check out. You can go and you can actually get yourself a variety pack of these. And if you're looking for Celsius, go over to those banner ads at peterreport.com. Click on one of those, get yourself some Celsius or go over to celsius.com, find your store locator, figure out where you can pick them up around you. This is going to be a fun show, Matt, because the shows where we don't have a real set agenda, yeah, those are those are some of our best shows, I think probably. <laughs> we just yeah, go, we can go yeah. off we can to, go off the cuff. We can come yeah, up with Yeah, exactly. Well, it doesn't matter. We can kind of right. you know, it's on the fans. Right. It's up to the millions and millions of Peter Report fans that are watching this show or maybe watching at a later time because it's on YouTube. You can watch it whenever you want. But you guys dictate the show, you know? We can go whatever way we want. 
Yeah, exactly. And so if you have questions for us, let them fly in the chat. We do have some 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 topics that we want to touch on today. I, before we get to Matt's incredibly probing question, which we I, we need to address on this show. <laughs> before we get to that later in the show, I wanted to identify Ryan Ramchick just got extended by the Saints. The rare bit of, I guess we're still in June, the end of June or you know early July range NFL news. Ryan Ramchick did get that extension. Uh, that he's been looking for. And so they signed, I think, 19 mil a year bodes well for the future of Tristan Wirfs. Not that he needed any help, but the right tackle market just got reset um, by uh, by Ryan Ramchick, who is a very good tackle, uh, very one of the best right tackles in the league, prompted me to go back down the road of an article I wrote just a, a few article was who's the best offensive line in the NFC South. And you can quickly rule out the, Pan- the Panthers and the Falcons. But the Bucks and the Saints, I mean, you're probably talking about two of the top five groups in the league when you get to those spots. And three of the best four tackles with another improving one in Donovan Smith uh, that, that exists in the NFL, probably two of the better tackle tandems in the NFL there. So it becomes tough to compare those two offensive lines. I did give the edge to the Bucs uh, when I did it, so I'm sure Bucks fans will maybe they'll keep me around uh, w- with it a, a little bit longer. But, yeah, I think that that's something that we got to – we got to kind of be thinking about this season. It's going to be kind of one of the matchups within the matchup when those teams play, and even just throughout the year in the NFC South. We've talked about the wide receiver battles for years with Julio gone. The, the you know the conversation, even though the receivers are close. still good, yeah, yeah, it might shift now to more of the offensive line comparison. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. I think with the offensive line too, because what do we always talk about with the offensive line in general is that you know. It, well, it's crazy what Tristan Wirfs did that he just came onto the scene was amazing. But a lot of times it takes more than a year for an offensive line to gel and really come into its own. So I think when you look at it that way, the Saints have the advantage in that because they've been together for longer. They've had more sustained success of, mm-hmm. you know, really taking it to their opponent. Now, with that said, it's really going to flip now because the Saints also had the luxury of Drew Brees was the guy getting the ball out quick. That's obviously a huge success there, and it led to helping the running game as well with Alvin Kamara. Yeah, Bucks just had one season with Tom Brady. We all know how great that was. They're going to have Brady next season and the year after that. Duh, we all know that. But now the Saints are entering a whole new era where there's no more Drew Brees. It looks like it's going to yeah. be Jameis or possibly Taysom Hill this year. So now yeah. they're the ones kind of behind the eight ball. So I think yeah. if you look at like an overall like two three year period, I think I would lean towards the Saints. Sure, by a little definitely. bit. But yeah. if we're talking about just the twenty twenty season, then yeah, I would agree with you that it's the box, the wide receiver group. Not even a question. We don't even have to talk another second about it. <laughs> no, that offensive yeah. line, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. That it's something that we should all look into. And you well, know what. Bucks got a pretty damn good defensive line. So they do. Uh, so do the Saints. Them. And yeah, that should be another fun matchup. But we can talk even head to head about that one. But I, I think the offensive line, you know, Long Lost Glazer says we have the better left guard, and that's it. I mean, to me, there's no way. I mean, they have the best two guards, the Bucks do, in my in my opinion. I mean, uh, I know under speed, I think he just got voted to the Pro Bowl or whatever. I, I you know, he's a former first rounder. That pedigree is just gonna stick with you. But I don't know that there's many O-line experts out there that would tell you he's you know better than Kappa. I think I think he's Cap is the better player. I think Marquette's clearly the best guard out of the team. Cesar Ruiz, you know, there's still a bright future for him. Last year as a rookie, though, definitely some ups and downs. Didn't start the whole way. Um, struggled for sure. I think he's still very young, and he can still get a lot better, and he will. Uh, just hasn't happened yet. So 
I'd give the edge to the Bucs at both guard spots, and I'd give the edge at center. I think Eric McCoy is a good player for sure, and I loved him coming out. I think it was a great pick by the Saints in the second round. But I just think Ryan Jensen's on a level right now where he might be the best center in the league. Um, and at right tackle, Ramchick is a good player, and if you want to give the longevity nod to him and say Werfs needs to do it for another year, go ahead, sure. But to me, Werfs is definitely – I mean, Ramchick is very good, and that's really all you need to tackle. Mm-hmm. Worfs could be like special and that's the difference i think that i see there so if you want to give it to Ramchick based on longevity so far go ahead because he's done it for a couple of years but Worfs season last year to me was on the level of anything Ramchick's ever done or, or beyond that so um i am a, and a, again i think you have to look at the system right breeze is getting that ball out boom like that you know what i mean all the time yeah. brady is too but it's a downfield passing attack so you're talking about probably the fastest time to throw of any quarterback in the league in Breeze. Brady's still up there in terms of time to throw, but you're also talking about deep pass drops. And so to not give up pressure on those all the time um, where defenders really have a chance to tee off and get home, I think it's something that is underrated in this comparison. The Bucks' offensive line is in a scheme that isn't necessarily the easiest for them, although Tom Brady's presence definitely does make some things easier. So it's a fun comparison to think about. Obviously, Teron Armstead is the big advantage for the Saints over Donovan Smith. Not because Smith is that bad, but because Armstead just is that good. I mean, you're talking about one of the best left tackles in the league. And Ramey brings it up here that I called it a while ago. But, you know, we'll see what happens unless something happened in the last 10 minutes with Teron Armstead that I didn't see. But, uh, I, you know, we'll see what happens with Teron Armstead. I did say, yeah, Ryan Ramchick's going to get this extension eventually. And in my opinion – Tron Arms is in a contract year. They're, I just don't know how they were going to be able to sign him long-term. They're still a player that they have to sign long-term. And so I, I think somebody would have to get traded for this to happen with Armstead. It's a lot of money to tie up in two tackles, uh, especially when you're looking for the game's most important position. And a couple other pieces as well. I just don't know how Armstead fits in the long-term plans. He's also had some injuries in his past. Uh, they re-signed James Hurst as an insurance policy. I don't. I think if the Saints start the season a little bit rough, Armstead could be a trade deadline piece to move. Maybe. I mean, if you're smart, if you're the Saints, you try to you know use some assets. Unless you gonna can be a contender, you try to get rid of some assets and get something in return while you can. I think that's going to be one of the keys for them. Uh, everyone knows offensive line is the most well, other than quarterback, offensive line is the most important unit in the league. I mean, I'm a I'm a trenches guy. I think you're a trenches guy as well. I mean. A position like that, it's crazy. I don't know. When you have such a good player, it's crazy to to let up a play to let a player go like that. But yeah, I mean, the financials obviously do play into it. And right. um, yeah, it's really kind of a situation where the tables are turned this year because the Saints, everything you just said about the box set, it's more downfield and they mm-hmm. have to hold their blocks for longer. I think we're going to see more of that for the Saints this year. And the question is, can they can they pass the test? Right. I don't know. That's you know something we can't really answer until yeah. we hit the field. It is kind of a combination of things. I think the Saints O-line is elite. I also think the scheme has been and the quarterback because he, the fact that it's such a short quick passing attack yeah. has been one of the probably more probably one of the simpler ones. I don't know, simpler ones, but I, I think it's helped a lot. Let's put it that way. And I wonder, definitely wonder if they go to a quarterback like Jameis with a pension for holding onto the ball and being a little more unpredictable in the pocket, um, how that's going to affect the way people perceive them. Not necessarily how good they are. They're probably going to be the same 
level of good. It's it might affect the perception. Of, it would be the perfect comparison, though. Like, okay, who literally was better? You had the same quarterback, so yeah, you know, you, that's you, true. Right up until up until last season, yes. when it was Breeze and Brady. That's a good point. If Jameis takes a great offensive line that's been recognized as a top three offensive line in the league for years now, uh, and they all of a sudden are giving up you know, mid league sacks or high number of sacks for the league uh, compared to the average. It's going to, yeah, we're going to learn a lot about how that Bucks offensive line, maybe DeMar Dotson should have gotten more respect. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's good questions here. Uh, Razor squid wants to know, will Mike Evans have one of the best, if not the best season of his career. Now that Brady has been in the offense for a bit. It's a good question. I don't think there's enough balls to go around for him to, bypass what was that 2018 season i think it was his yes. 2018 season that was pretty pretty special in terms of production that was a great season that would be my take on the whole i think he'll have a good year i think he'll hit a thousand again if he can stay healthy but maybe not yeah i agree i think he'll i think he'll have a great season this kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week there's too many talented players and godwin's a little bit more of the consistent guy that doesn't necessarily mean that godwin's going to have the best year and the best numbers I think Mike's numbers in the red zone will be very, or I guess number of touchdowns will be, if not the same, even a little bit more than this year due to their wow. chemistry and everything like that. Yep. But as far as yards and everything, again, you add in a healthy OJ Howard and you add in uh, a new running back in the passing game with Giovanni Bernard, it's going to have to take away from someone. It's still going to lead to wins and success for the Bucs, but mm -hmm. individual accolades. Mike will get a thousand. We'll all be happy and we'll all be... Uh, Hopefully enjoying another Super Bowl. There's this to consider too. Last year was not Mike Evans' best on tape. I think it was it was a very good year. Most receivers would take it and run with it. Uh, for Evans, the standard is probably a little bit higher than last year, which That's is fine. A great point. He's yeah, right. But so if, I think yeah, if, if another up and coming receiver had that season Mike Evans had, all those yeah. touchdowns, getting over a thousand yards, playing injured, they'd be like, oh wow, he's the next big thing. Mike yeah. Evans is like. Eh, his season was was good, but yeah, not right. great. And you know, right. it shows the the type of level of player he is, and the respect that he gets around the league, or should right. be getting. Right. I think the one thing with Evans that we overlooked last year was last year was the most efficient season of his career by far. I mean, catch rate was his was the best it's ever been for him last year. You know, he finished on more of his targets than ever before, despite having a, a decent amount of drops. You know, that shows me that. He's playing with the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with and a quarterback that's not going to necessarily force him the ball when he's covered all the time. That was a huge issue with Jameis. Granted, for all of his career, Jameis didn't have all the weapons that Brady has now, but he still had other weapons and there was no excuse. You know, Mike Evans got force-fed the ball a lot of the time, and mm -hmm. that resulted in – if you look at the interception numbers when Evans was targeted over the course of his career, if you look at catch rate over the course of his career compared to other top wide receivers – you're going to see concerning numbers on the part of targets to Mike Evans. But I would argue a lot of that wasn't his fault, and a lot of that was the fact that Jameis the ball to Mike Evans even when he was double-covered and even when there was a better option. And I don't think Brady's going to do that. So in terms of efficiency, especially if Evans can cut back down on the drops that have plagued him a little bit, yes, I think you're going to see the best season of his career in terms of efficiency. In terms of raw production, I don't know if that'll be the case, uh, but Evans is still young and he will bounce back. I think from last year, like I said, it was a fine year. I just don't think it was as good as he can play. Um, so I think he'll have a better year than he did the, than he did in 2020. So that, that should help clear that up. Um, good one here. MN seven Miami says, who do you think has the most receptions on our team this year? You go first. I think it's gotta be Chris Godwin. I think because he plays in the slot, 
because he'll go over the middle and then also do his thing on the outside. I just think he's arguably the most versatile receiver that the Bucs have outside of Antonio Brown. Um, I think, I know Godwin got hurt a little bit last season, but overall he's a durable guy and he's younger than Brown and Evans and everyone else. So I think he's going to be able to play the most. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he's going to be the third down guy. He's going to be looked at in those big situations. I mean, granted, this wasn't a, this wasn't a, uh, a passing play, but in the NFC championship game, when the Bucs needed to get that first down on that third down play to to ice the game in Lambeau, no pun intended, mm-hmm. um, who they give the ball to? It was Chris Godwin on a run play. Mm-hmm. So I think he's just going to be one of the more targeted guys on this team because of his ability to do a little bit of everything more than the other receivers. I think we kind of know what we're going to see with some other guys, and therefore – when you need, you know, not every play is going to be down the field, and that's what Mike does, and that's what Scotty Miller does. So I think those intermediate to short throws are really going to be headed towards Chris Godwin's way. I mean, you even look at the Super Bowl. He didn't have too many receptions, but that first play of the game, who was Brady looking for? Is Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's a big yard after the catch guy. So if we're mm-hmm. talking about like a third and seven, and for whatever reason, Godwin runs a five-yard route, Brady's going to be more inclined to throw it to Godwin and trust him to get – those extra yards after the catch to complete the first down versus throwing it to Mike and hoping that Mike can kind of muscle his way through. So I think your leader in the clubhouse is Chris Godwin. And then Antonio Brown is right behind that. I'm, I'm curious to see because Brown played half the season and he, he got hurt in the postseason. I'm not necessarily saying he's going to be like an injury prone guy, but he's definitely older in age and yeah, he doesn't have a lot of wear on the tire, but you know, when you have a hamstring injury and we're talking about soft tissue, like that, that's, I feel like that's something that tends to occur more often as you get older. So I'm going to lean towards Godwin with this one. Oh yeah, for sure. Godwin to me, I think he would have led the team. Well, what did you, maybe he did lead the team last year. I can't even remember who had the most catches, but no, he was, I mean, he, to me, like, it's not even close. I think he's a hundred catch guy last year if he doesn't get hurt uh, pretty easily. So I think, yeah, he's definitely going to lead the team in receptions. Uh, he's the volume guy. Uh, splash plays, touchdowns. I don't know. I'll we'll have to see that. That one's a little bit more debatable to me, but I, I'm definitely with you on Godwin. And hey, this is kind of the nitty gritty stuff. And another place that we talk about this nitty gritty stuff and get into some of the specifics of these predictions and catches and numbers and things like that is Locker Room. It's a social audio app that is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation with Locker Room. If you download Locker Room, make sure you follow Peter Report. You'll get invited when we go live. Taking a little bit of a break, a little bit of a vacation run here as we enter the month of July. But we'll be back on that thing. And in season, we had some great rooms going there. Training camp, we're going to have lots to talk about and discuss so it's going to be uh, a lot of fun on locker room here coming up very soon. Um, good questions about the wide receiver room because I think there is a lot to discuss there. And obviously, um, I think that the, there's certainly fair points to be made on behalf of all these wide receivers. Here's a good one that you're going to have a better insight into than me. Who wins the match, Brady or Rogers? You know more about their golf partners than I do because you're more of a golf guy than I am. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty big golf fan. It's going to be awesome to watch. It's uh, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady teaming up again against Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. As far as the PGA golfers, 
Uh, Phil's getting up there in age. He he did just win the PGA Championship, which was a big deal. The oldest oldest guy to ever do it. Um, great short game. Anything like a hundred yards in, he's able to do crazy things with the ball to get close to the hole. Mm. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka hates him. He's a Florida State guy. Brooks Kepka is so Mark Cook will love him anyway. Um, he bombs the ball off the tee, mm. so. I mean, I would give the advantage if we're talking about the pro golfers. As much as I love Phil and he's the man, mm-hmm. the advantage has got to go to Bryson a little bit. Um, I've never seen Aaron Rodgers play golf, so I can't I can't tell you like how good or bad. Rodgers Last year, Brady is. was pretty rough, right? Well, I so I don't know. I just I, I barely I think, watched it. I think when the when the Bucks and Packers played against each other in the regular season, someone brought up that they went golfing together, and Brady said that. Rodgers beat him which makes me think that he's at least okay but Brady is such a maniac and like wants to, in a good way um where you know if someone beats him one time he wants to destroy them the next time and let's not forget Phil Mickelson is also a gambling man he uh you know he likes to have little stakes on the line stuff like that so I'm gonna pick Brady and Phil Mickelson because they want to avenge the, the loss that they had last year it's different opponents but still, they want revenge, and um, you know they're both coming off championship victories. I don't That's think uh, I don't think that should be overlooked. So, and golf is a crazy game too, where it's you know the favorite doesn't always beat the underdog. I don't. I think they're playing somewhere in Montana or mm-hmm. Idaho or something like that. So I don't really know how what the course layout is. If it's not as long, that obviously helps someone like Phil. Um, but yeah, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. It's coming up soon. Yeah, that's a good assessment there, man. We're breaking down golf on the show. I oh, love yeah. it. No, that's interesting. I'm I like a golf shirt. I'm ready. I like go. hearing more about that, like that kind of stuff. Like who's good, you know, driving the ball, who's good in the short. Cause I don't watch enough golf, but I will watch the match. I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Hopefully it's not downpouring like it was last time. Oh, yeah. Last year's match that, that probably sullied the performance too a little bit. But, uh, Adolfo says the same secondary was that made them elite. Not sure they still have that. I pumped the brakes on that a little bit. I mean, they still have Marshawn Lattimore. They got Marcus Williams back. And again, he's another one. We mentioned uh, We mentioned Lattimore needing a, a contract. Williams is another one. I mean, you, you tagged him. So what's the deal going to be there? You know, just to have him this year, is that going to try and have as good a defense as you can, as good an O-line as you can? You know, maybe that's the strategy even with Armstead. But um, we'll see how the season starts. But Williams is another one You're playing on the tag. But you got your free safety back. You still have Malcolm Jenkins there. He played well at points last year for sure. Uh, you wonder maybe age is catching up with them. You still have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson growing in the slot uh, as a good slot defender. So you have four of your five top guys back from last year. So, I mean, it's not like this group you know, has fallen apart. Um, and they've got P.J. Williams in the mix still. He's a contributor for them. Drafted Paulson Adebo in the third round. Still Patrick Robinson hanging around. I, I think they definitely have a, a hole at that outside corner spot. But Richard Sherman's still out there, man, and I wouldn't rule it out. You know, find a way, especially if you move one of those guys like Armstead, um, you find a way to get that that the, those kind of things done with those older players if they want to win a championship. So we'll see what happens. There's still some good players available, and I, the Saints are the type of team that a lot of those players will be looking at if they can make it work in terms of the cap. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, that secondary is still going to be very good. The Saints are still going to be very good. I know yeah. people don't want to hear that, but – they're still going to be a good team this year. It's going to be a tough game. For like the they Bucks, did win the division last year. It's not yeah. like, you know, they're going to get rolled over. Right. Although we haven't even talked about this, but how interesting was Jeff Darlington's report that, that Brady almost signed in new Orleans. Like that was a legit thing. I, I, there were a lot of teams that were taught that talked about 
Brady and you know the Chargers were clearly interested. We know they were in the 49ers kind of wanted to stick with Garoppolo, but there was interest there. There's been this mystery team, and we should talk about that too. And people in the chat can sound off as to who they believe that mystery team was. But the Saints thing was totally crazy to me because if the Saints had said yes to Brady, they would have been moving on from Breeze before Breeze was done in favor of Tom Brady. And that would have worked its way into that GOAT discussion with those guys. Not that there is one based off rings, but a lot of Saints fans would say that Breeze is as talented a quarterback as Brady, even if he hasn't had as much postseason. And then does does Breeze go to the Bucs? The and Bucs, then where does Breeze go, right? Yeah, because Brady signed on, on St. Paddy's Day, or that's when like the, the announcement was made that, yeah. that he was coming to the Bucs. So I don't recall at the moment like if Rivers had already signed with the Colts, um, some of the other veteran quarterbacks where they ended up. But we're looking at a situation where like, yeah, it could have been it could have been Breeze going to the Bucs. The Bucs could have just decided they were gonna trade up and draft for a quarterback or or at least pick a quarterback last season. So that means Kyle Trask doesn't go in the second round this year. There's a a lot of different things that could have happened it's the the yep. you know could have went down the butterfly effect right that uh, and breeze would have been such a bad fit it's but maybe at the time they didn't know that or wouldn't have accepted that if he was still the best quarterback and then there's out no there. gronk gronk doesn't yeah. come to here and probably not leonard fournette wow yeah wow it is that's an interesting wow. yeah, interesting point it is a big ripple effect maybe gronk goes to the saints yeah possibility that the Saints Fournette, have Fournette probably goes he's an LSU guy that's right he might have oh, been man. interested there too so yeah it could have been things could have been a lot different uh, <laughs> well, good thing sure. that didn't happen Antonio Brown who knows I mean they're you know the Saints needed another receiver so anyway lots of layers to it but yeah I I, uh, I was fascinated by that Darlington is remember the first guy that said Brady's leaving New England you know he was the guy that first reported that and he was right you know he's so he's been in, on the inside track now I don't think the Saints were the team Brady was referring to on the shop at all when if people watch the shop uninterrupted, they've probably read my story over at Peter Report. I kind of compiled some perspectives around the league people were doubting who they've been talking to. D to me, there's no way it was the Saints. I don't even consider the Saints. I know some people said that and brought up the Saints the possibility. No way. There's no way Breeze, if you missed the quote, Brady basically said he couldn't believe a team wasn't in on him at the end and he couldn't believe they were sticking with, in his words, that mf -er. that was what he said and on the show obviously you know more of an unfiltered show but he he said that and there's just no way that he'd refer to breeze that way even right even if you think it's a little bit of a joke like which it was they're laughing about you know mm -hmm. but there's no way he'd think that or you know he's recalling what he thought at the time you wouldn't say it about breeze and i know people have the 49ers no way it would be the 49ers either he and jimmy garoppolo are friends and they've always had each other's back and you know, and Jimmy Garoppolo had just played in the Super Bowl at that point. Like he, Brady's not unrealistic. He gets it. Even if he thinks he's better yeah. than Jimmy and he knows that he's better than Jimmy, you know, he, he gets that a team's not going to want to jump out, jump ship on the guy that just brought him to the Super Bowl, you know, as much as you can argue how much Jimmy had to do with that. But there's, I mean, that's, that's not a surprising situation. So to me, I ruled those two teams out quickly. I don't know if you had similar thoughts. Yeah. It just seemed like yeah, I I never really thought San Fran, um, and everything you said. There's no way he would disrespect Breeze like that. I mean, everyone saw the video of them like shaking hands and hugging yeah. after the after the, game. After the yeah. divisional round. So there's no way he would do that. Would be hilarious if it was Breeze. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think there's any way. He was like, this just this guy can't even throw 10 yards. Like, what if he'd said that on the shop? Oh, now man. we're talking. A lot but, of people were saying the Raiders and the Bears. Uh, I mean, that makes sense, especially the Bears. Um, those were possibilities in my mind. But Mitch Trubisky certainly fits the description of Brady's thought process. Yeah. There. Um, Derek Carr might too, although Carr, Carr ended up playing well. But to me, I think the mo- the argument I've heard that makes the most sense is Tennessee. You know, I, I got to ask Ben Albright, who first reported, I think that it was Tennessee and that Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback he was talking about. And that makes sense on a lot of levels. And Rich Eisen did a good job on his show of talking about it recently as well. That Brady, if you remember when they were at, I forget what game it was now, Brady and Edelman FaceTime were FaceTime and John Robinson. Remember in the internet kind of blew up. They're like, oh, FaceTime and John Robinson or Vrabel, one of those two, or maybe both of them. I, I think it was Vrabel because Vrabel's was a Vrabel? Patriots okay. guy too. So. Right, right, right. So it was John Robinson. So they right. they have ties to both those guys in the past, the Titans. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, so there was that. And then I think that, so it made sense. There was some, like some interest, but then the Titans clearly would have pulled out because they re-signed uh, Tannehill. I think five days before the Brady announcement. Yeah, pretty early on. So yeah, so they would have told him early in the which it sounds like this team they weren't in there at the end. He said they weren't in on him at the end. No, they just decided to stick with the guy. Now some people say, well, Tannehill just beat him in in his last game before he said that. Well, Tannehill threw for seventy two yards in that game. (laughs) He was like (laughs) eight of fifteen passing. So that actually might have added to Brady's argument, like. Imagine how bad you would have beat us if you had somebody like me at quarterback right. rather than now Tannehill went on and he's done a great job and he obviously played better outside of that game. But I don't think that game would have kept Brady from saying that. And there's been no record of him having this great relationship with Tannehill where he wouldn't have thought that or, or felt you know free to say that on the shop. So I think it was Tennessee. Um, I don't think he ever would have gone to the Bears to try to rule them out. And I don't really think the Raiders thing was that close either. Um, which is why I rolled them out. And then the Titans thing wasn't close either, but there was definitely like, oh, I know Vrabel and I know John Robinson. Let's mm-hmm. let's see what's going on here. This team was in the AFC Championship. Let's see you know, what's going on here. And so I definitely think there was a feeling out that happened and the Titans just kind of like, yeah, we're going to ride with Tannehill and that pissed him off. So that's my thought on the whole thing. Uh, somebody's, people are thinking it was San Fran. People probably always think it's from San Fran. Yeah, the reason it's not San Fran, Matthew Sands, uh, who's saying it, it's San Fran? The reason it's not San Fran, there's a lot of reasons. I know, I know for sure it's not San Fran because I've heard that now coming down since that happened. But my initial thought was San Fran. That's where, like, he Brady went on to say on the shop, like, I would not have put, picked this team, but I still couldn't believe that they weren't even really interested. But Brady might have picked San Fran. I mean, that was definitely, like you said, it was it, he's from that area. Like Joe Montana was his hero growing up. That might have been a team that he actually would have picked. Um, had they been interested, I still Dar- Darlington still says Tampa Bay was at the top of his list the whole time because they were straight up and they were straightforward with him that they wanted him. Um, but I think if San Fran had been more invested or more vocal, it would have probably been a tougher, longer decision for Brady. I don't know who he would have chosen. Uh, let's put it that way. So that's that's why it was it was definitely not the 49ers. Plus, yeah, I've, I've heard it was not the 49ers. Raiders or Bears, I'd consider them, but I really I feel strongly Albright's really dialed in. Mm-hmm. I think Rich Eisen's on the money that it was the Titans. And Coward said it wasn't the Titans. So that that enforces my opinion that it was probably the Titans. All right. <laughs> Ren thinks it was the Vipers. Good thought. Good thought, Ren. Could have been, could have been the Vipers. What's oh, you have another question to pose for us before we get off this show today, uh, and that is a Tom Brady Lebron James comparison question, which I know I'm sure everyone in the chat has been preparing themselves for on this show at some point. <laughs> 
Yeah, so obviously LeBron and Tom Brady are two of the biggest stars in their respective sport. The biggest. It's, I don't think it's even really a question. Um, and, you know, I, I'm just having a hypothetical debate with – I brought it up to numerous people just for the fun of it. I mean, why not? And pretty much what it is is um, – so Brady right now is 43. He'll be 44 in August. LeBron right now is 36. Who will play to a later age in their career? Hmm. Will it be Brady or LeBron? Because Brady right now, as I said, he'll be 44. He's got this season and next season. So, like, realistically, he could probably play until he's 46. That means LeBron would have to play another 10 years no in the way. NBA. But LeBron, again, the NBA is, like, not as a physical sport, as physical of a sport as the NFL and everything like that. LeBron wants to play so his son can get into the N NBA and they're playing in the league at the same time. So that'd be pretty cool. And so how good is Bronny Jr.? That's what this if that if that is really what he wants. I don't know if he's actually ever said that or if it's just rumored. But how right. he's 16 right now, Bronny Jr. So how good is he? Is he good enough to play one year in college and and go to the NBA? I don't I don't know how that I don't I know how think good he's he is. pretty legit. I mean, he plays on if all anybody teams. knows in the chat, by the way, let us know yeah. if, we're, if we're talking about like a for sure one year and done type of guy like. You know, yeah, I Zion. I know we're not talking about Zion, but right. Um, something like I, that. I, I'm under the assumption that he's good enough to get to yeah. the NBA. But then there's also the other side of it. I mean, LeBron is a physical specimen. He doesn't. This is the first year that he's actually like kind of gotten hurt. But yeah, but how he's 36. That's a long time. At ten more years would but be crazy. Like, how obsessive is he to get to? Um, you know, six NBA championships and tie Jordan or possibly surpass Jordan with the seven. I just think it's crazy. The more I think of it, I think the answer is Brady. Oh, yeah. But I just think it's insane that Brady plays football, like the more physical sport out of the two, and he's gonna right. play longer. So and he's playing, I, I mean, basketball, yeah, basketball is super physical, but you're right. Like, even if you get hit once in a football, I mean, Brady got clobbered a few times last year, like. So it is different yeah. still. I, even I though, thought it was a fun little hypothetical. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, at, uh, I definitely don't think LeBron will play that long, nor really need to, obviously, for for Bron to play with Bronny Jr. But my question would be more, does LeBron play till he's 40? Because with Brady, that was at one point a question, and then as soon as he passed that and was still going to Super Bowls, everybody was like, oh, okay, like 45? <laughs> like, yeah. And so I wonder if Bron will play that long and whether Bronny Jr., nobody in the chat seems to know, I'd say, but. I Gabe he's says he's all right. Ty Jordan, but I don't think it's any guarantee that he's gonna win another championship like within the next year or two. Who's that? Oh, LeBron. LeBron. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I just think with all like I think LeBron could potentially hitch his not hitch his wagon, but like start up another super team with another team. Wow. I always said okay. Well, I'll make it quick because we're talking. We, we want to talk about the Bucks. I always thought in the Jordan versus LeBron debate. I, I tend to lean towards Jordan, but I always said for LeBron, his legacy shouldn't be like, oh, hey, like I tied Jordan. I think his his legacy, because everyone will always be like, Jordan did it with one team. Like you have to go start a new team. That's always going to be the argument against LeBron. If I'm LeBron or a fan of LeBron, my argument would be, hey, he could literally go anywhere and win a championship. He finally won with Cleveland. He went to Miami. He did it. He went to Los Angeles. He did it. He'll go somewhere else and do it. I think there's something about like going to all these different teams and winning everywhere he went that makes a case for an argument. Hmm. And that's 
that's my two cents on the issue. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you're right about that. I think part of it also is the legacy thing. I feel like legacy wise, it would have been easier for LeBron. Like if LeBron had just goaded with one team, maybe there would be like this big swell for people for him. No, maybe not though. Maybe now every fan base likes him. I don't know. Cleveland certainly does again after he went back there. So yeah. uh, interesting, uh, interesting for sure. Bucks time still thinks that we are comparing Tom Brady and LeBron as goats. We are not uh, that if you're listening and don't have us on mute, that should have been clear. If we, if you do have us on mute though, totally understandable, but you're going to miss uh, a great question to finish off the show at the end. And you're going to miss this unbelievable moment on the show where I get to talk about our good friends over at Manscaped and uh, get to enjoy every second of it. Cause summer's coming, Matt. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're doing it right now over at the Ozarks. You're in luck. <laughs> Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Complement your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men, two million and counting men worldwide, including your boys here who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer. Wow, I can't believe I just read that. By going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R at manscaped.com. Make sure you check that out. It's time to bundle up with the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll get the Lawnmower Trimmer 4.0. I mean, it's comfortable, no snags, no nicks, nothing like that. Uh, they got the light on for you to be able to see everything, what you're doing now. Function, I mean, that's just really practical. Love that about it. It's also got the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Comfortable, easy to use. Um Oh, and the 4.0 comes with a lock for the on-off switch, so it's not buzzing in your backpack, and then you get to use it, and the battery's dead. Hate that. So they've thought of that. They've thought of everything. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, unbelievably comfortable performance boxer briefs, and an unbelievable travel bag that holds it all together for you. I mean, the, the packages with Manscaped are unbelievable to make your package look the best that it ever has. So make sure you check out Manscaped. Those two free gifts, the boxers and the travel bag, I'm telling you, they put it over the top. Bring your comfort and your boxers to another level with those Manscaped boxers. We love them. We talk about them all the time on the show. So get 20% off plus free shipping with that promo code pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R at manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping. Make sure you check that out over at manscaped.com. Really good stuff. All right, Matt, we got to uh, figure out this show. Uh, we got to figure out this show. Uh, we got to close this show out with a little uh, little chat about the Bucks overall. Where is the depth lacking? Somebody asked a good question here earlier in the show, trying to find the question to put it up on the screen. But it was a good question in general because it said, where is the depth kind of lacking on this roster? If we're going to assess the roster as a whole, is there any reason for concern? Is there any you know spots where you can't afford to lose a player? Obviously, you highlight Brady off the bat. The other one offensively that I'd go to probably is offensive tackle. I mean, I just think I don't know. We've never really seen Josh Wells for an extended period of time, and I'd be nervous about it if it happened. I don't think offensive tackle is a position where you can afford to lose a player. Everywhere else on the offensive line, I think you could afford to, and you could still be a Super Bowl contender. Offensive tackle could hurt this team a little bit. Other, That's the only position on offense other than quarterback. I agree with that. I was thinking defensively, if something were to happen on uh, happen at linebacker, like if Kevin Minter got injured, like on a special teams play, and then something happened to Levante or or Devin, mm -hmm. and you're relying on two rookie 
linebackers. I think that's a little bit of a gamble, but again, that's kind of like a more specific hypothetical. Um, I also real quick, um, news came out today that Levante David's father unfortunately mm-hmm. passed away. So just want to send our, uh, our thoughts and prayers to yeah, Levante sure. and, and his family with that. Um, yeah. but yeah, he's I, one I think, of those, he's probably one of those players. I wouldn't even say the position of linebacker. I would just say Levante because of what he does communication wise and role wise. There's not, they would have to change some things they do because I don't think anybody else in that defense at linebacker could do kind of what he does. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he, he's been doing it for years too. I, I just think, um, I don't know. That was the first thing that popped into my head. Mm-hmm. I would say posit players on defense more than position. Like, you could probably replace Vita and be okay like they did yeah, last I mean, year. So but you can't replace Vita's impact. Same right, with Levante. You could probably be yeah, okay. Yeah, so the argument for the defensive line, I mean, they they just did that last year because Vita missed most of the season until he came back for the playoffs, and they were able to right the ship pretty well. Right. So To me, the most valuable player on defense is Carlton Davis. I, if they lost Carlton Davis, I would suddenly be scared for this team. Or if Carlton Davis's play level of play fell off because – Carlton Davis in 2020 it was a lot better than Carlton Davis in 2019. And maybe that's his trajectory of growth, or maybe it was an outlier season. I, I tend to believe it's his trajectory of growth. I think he showed some I agree. really, really good things. Yeah, I think he's but up. if he regressed or didn't play as well this season, that's a big blow to the secondary because what they ask him to do is tough. And if they don't, if he can't do that, all of a sudden now everybody gets exposed. Now yeah. Sean Murphy Bunting's <laughs> got to play a number one guy or or Jamel Dean or Ross Carpel. So I'd be a lot more nervous about the team of Davis. So it's like individuals on defense yeah. I think, where like offense, I don't know if left or right tackle, even though worse is better. I, I think it'd be hard to replace either of those guys where they're at right now. Yeah. All great points. Uh, this team is just so good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Edge defender would be another one, but again, I'd like to see Joe try on maybe he balls out and maybe I don't feel quite as right. But right and now, it's yeah, always I'd be gamble. Sure. it's always a gamble with, with the rookie, but yeah, like I'd be willing to bet more, for Joe Tryon than I would with the linebackers that I was just talking about. Yeah. So. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Good points. Uh, good questions. Great questions. And again, for uh, yeah, Gary wants to know if Carlton will be better this year. I, I think he'll be a little bit better this year. Yeah. I, or at least stabilize it last year's performance, which I think was you know, pretty good outside of the Tyree kill day. Um, so yeah, I, I would be, I would still feel really good about him. So um, yeah. Okay. So we covered a lot of ground on this show and got some really good questions and had, a ton of fun, which is really all you want in the month of June. And we're moving into the month of July tomorrow, July 1st. We are going to have a guest from Canada, Paul Atwal, who is Hoss Y Juke on Twitter. Follow him if you don't know him. Uh, he is terrific. He is going to be coming on the show tomorrow. Uh, he's going to be breaking down his assessment film on a lot of the things that changed for the Bucks after the bye week. What improved? We know that they got better. But specifically what happened, even beyond just, oh, they used more play action or, oh, they you know did this or that more. We're going to look actually at the details and the numbers of some of that stuff. Going to be a great show tomorrow. Paul is somebody that I think is going to be a rising star in this business that everybody's going to want to make sure they follow on social media and uh, make sure they check out tomorrow's pod uh, to hear his perspective and be able to ask him some questions. So make sure you jump into that show tomorrow. That's 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll be going live at that point in time. And uh, then next week, we're going to be off Monday on the podcast, obviously, to celebrate the 4th of July. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll be rolling here on the Pewter Report podcast with more good content. And right now, we've got some fun guests lined up for them. We'll try to lock those in for you over the weekend. So should be a fun time. But don't miss tomorrow, Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out! Vacations all I ever want.